0: Hello, this is Sue, and for the next hour, I will be reading May 18, 2023, issue of the East Aurora Advertiser on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. East Aurora and Holland Schools continue the athletic mergers with swim programs by Sean Cunningham, the staff reporter. Beginning next school year, the East Aurora Union Free School District and the Holland Central School District will merge their boys and girls swim teams following a decision that was approved at the East Aurora School Board meeting on May 3rd. Athletic Director Brian Lombardo said regarding the decision, the Holland swim program participants were low, with Holland anticipating that only four or five athletes will return from last season. Holland Central School District Dean of Students and Athletic Director Matthew Adams reached out to Lombardo asking if East Aurora could be a landing spot for those students. We're just trying to give some athletes over there an opportunity, Lombardo said. Holland students will practice in the East Aurora pools. They will be completely immersed in our program, Lombardo said. The two school districts also share fall and winter varsity cheerleading, modified junior varsity and varsity field hockey. Boys Modified Junior Varsity and Varsity Volleyball, Modified and Varsity Football, and Modified and Varsity Wrestling and Indoor Track. In other news, the board approves Sarah Schreiner as a Provisional Payroll Clerk. Pending an Erie County Civil Service exam, she will work 35 hours a week at a prorated salary of $56,000. This is a 12-month appointment. The board accepted the resignations of two individuals for the purpose of retirement, Heather Deesch, a music teacher at Parkdale Elementary, and Jason Zivenbergen, an English teacher at East Aurora High School. The next board meeting will take place on Wednesday, June 14th at 7 p.m. in the Middle School Library. The school budget passes in both local races. Voters made their way to the polls on Tuesday, May 16th for the school district budget decisions and to elect their school board representatives. In East Aurora, there were three seats up for election and four candidates. All of the incumbents won, and the totals were Jessica Armbrust with 791 votes, Dan Brunson with 736 votes, Paul Blowers with 717 votes. Newcomer Victoria Parker received 384 votes. The final tally for the 2024 budget was 694 yes to 372 no. It was approved. A second proposition to spend funding from the Technology Reserve passed 808 to 245. With the Iroquois district, there were two open seats and two candidates. The totals for these seats were Heather Becker with 729 votes, Keith Vergian with 689 votes. Voters also approved the 2023-24 school budget. The vote tally was 735 to 228. In addition to the budget, voters decided on a proposition to purchase four full size buses for $643,000 and a 30 passenger wheelchair equipped bus for $90,000. This vote was 743 to 221. Another proposition established a third repairs reserve fund of no more than. $450,000 funded by future fund balances. The result was 759 yes to 198 to no. Under Community Days, East Aurora Underclassmen Volunteer Around Town and Beyond by Rick Oler, he's a columnist. The most common reaction I heard from the students on day one of East Aurora High School's Community Service Program on Monday, May 15th was appreciation appreciation for being outside rather than in a classroom on a warm, sunny school day, appreciation for being involved in a hands-on project, and appreciation for being able to help out their community. The most common reaction I heard from the dozen or so recipients of the much-needed volunteer services provided by the 300 or so freshmen and sophomores over the two days of service was gratitude. Juniors and seniors participate in Community Service Day on Wednesday, May 17th. At Parkdale Elementary School on Gerard Avenue, my first stop, ninth and 10th graders and Principal William Roberts were preparing a roughly 600-square-foot section of the former lawn to receive a planting of flowers and vegetables and herbs. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this help. help. Kindergarten teacher Ashley Meyer-Hall said, who runs the garden project? Last year, my husband and I did all the work ourselves on weekends. Sometimes parents would pitch in, but they're busy and their kids grow up and move on, and other help kind of fizzles. So to have this time really helps us. My kindergarten kids love coming out here and tending the garden, planting, and then watching the plants grow. For the students and their principal, the day looked like a lot of fun rather than work. The laughter rose above the sounds of digging. Each of them got to run a rototiller, several, most, all for the first time, and they had the satisfaction of planting in the soil they had prepared. Even Mr. Roberts took a turn on the rototiller, something he admitted had not been covered in principal school. Real life experiences, so one of the young farmers for a day. Howe, who grew up on a Wyoming County farm and still maintains a sizable garden and operates a vegetable stand, said, so many kids don't have these gardening skills to have the connection between the land and food we eat, which is so important. At Hamlin Park, the recreation specialist from the town's Department of Parks and Recreation, Megan Tent, was thrilled when a scheduling glitch sent the eight students who were supposed to work at the Aurora Community Garden and their faculty advisor, Mr. Shoemaker, to her. This is great, she said, as she directed the enthusiastic kids and the not very enviable tasks of emptying an equipment storage building that probably hasn't been gleaned out for 20 years. The kids were sorting sports equipment and games with lively banter and seemed to enjoy the task. And meanwhile, a dozen or so classmates were wrestling with a huge pile of wood chips, spreading them around the playground. Two blocks away at the Aurora Senior Center, director Donna Bodecker-George was thrilled to have done that takes work done that takes the pressure off her staff. Things like cleaning, weeding outside, and washing windows. It's great to get kids out in the community to engage with our population here. School librarian Jody Uririo didn't have to motivate these young folks. They were moving like a well-oiled machine and having a blast along the way. I pulled into the West Falls Center for the Arts to find eight high schoolers and music teacher, Mrs. Paula O'Connor, eating homemade pizza from the center's kitchen. As hard as they've worked today, said Carolyn Penzica, co-founder with her husband, Bill, and director of the nonprofit music venue and community resource. We are happy to feed them. These kids have been working really hard, Bill Penzica said. I can't believe everything they've done since they got here. They've cleared brush, pulled weeds, raked gravel, things it's hard to get our other volunteers to do. Community service days are relatively new at the high school. In years past, students were required to perform a certain number of hours of community service to graduate. They were on their own as far as finding places to perform those hours, a harder task for some than others. To relieve the burden from the students, and to make a substantial impact on the community, the administration decided to have the whole student body, 500 plus students in ninth to 12th grade, work on the same days. The school contacted possible organizations and then posted the list so students could pick their work detail. Locations this year, besides the Aurora Senior Citizen Center, Hamlin Park, Parkdale Elementary, and the Westfall Center for the Arts are Absolute Care of Aurora Park, East Aurora High School, which was the Environmental Club, Emory Park, Hawk Creek Wildlife Center, Knox Farm State Park, Lothorian Therapeutic Riding Center, the Rural Outreach Center, Town of Aurora Office of the Historian, and the Village of East Aurora Department of Public Works. Locations outside of town are Beaver Meadow Nature Center in Java, Boys and Girls Club of East Aurora's Camp Ska Ka San in Holland, and Providence Farm Collective in Orchard Park. There was a fire in Elma which destroyed the church. On the afternoon of Saturday, May 13th, multiple fire departments responded to a report of a fire in the steeple of St. Paul's Lutheran Church at 360 Main Street in Elma. Volunteers from East Seneca Fire Company, Blossom Volunteer Company, Lancaster Fire Department, Jamison Road Volunteer, Fire Company, Union Fire Company, and the East Aurora Fire Department worked to combat the blaze. According to eyewitnesses who reside in the area, the fire began while repair work was being performed on the steeple. Despite the work of firefighters, the fire spread to the sanctuary and is reportedly a total loss. No injuries were reported. The church credited the work of the volunteers in rescuing historical items from the altar and a public statement on its social media page on Sunday, May 14th and thank the Ebenezer United Church of Christ in Main Street in West Seneca for providing an alternate space for Sunday worship services. Further details of the fire are not yet available and the newspaper will continue to follow this story. Aurora Police report, there is a vehicle fire on Boehm Road An SUV that was parked on a lawn on Bowen Road caught on fire on May 6th around 1 p.m. The fire jumped from the vehicle to a nearby chicken coop, and by the time the fire department arrived, they were both engulfed in flames and are considered a total loss. According to the report, the homeowner was running errands that morning. When she returned home, she opened the hood of the vehicle to add windshield wiper fluid. She said that a piece of plastic fell down from under the hood. At this point, the vehicle was still running. She then drove the vehicle to the backyard near the chicken coop. The homeowner turned the vehicle off and then fed the chickens inside the coop. The report says when she came back outside, smoke was coming from the vehicle and it was beginning to catch fire. She went inside of the residence to call 911. The fire spread from the vehicle to the chicken coop. The fire department arrived on the scene and extinguished the fire. Under the small title, Suspended Registration, a 48-year-old male from Buffalo was traveling on South Willow Street on May 13th around 8 p.m. when he was pulled over for driving with a suspended vehicle registration. An officer who was driving on the same street conducted a DMV inquiry on the vehicle and saw that he had been suspended because of an insurance lapse in January. The license plates were confiscated at the scene and he was charged with driving with suspended registration. Under the small title, Harassment, a verbal disagreement disc- became physical on May 13th around 10 p.m. between two males at a bar on Main Street. One of the males lives in Aurora, the other one lives in East Aurora. The report says that each individual was interviewed at the scene and they had compatible stories. Neither person sustained any injuries and neither one depressed charges. The male from East Aurora was given a courtesy ride home. Memorial Day ceremonies and parades are scheduled from around the region. This weekend, the area will feature a variety of parades, dinners, and ceremonies to honor veterans on Memorial Day weekend. In East Aurora slash Aurora, a procession will begin at Hamlin Park on Prospect Avenue in East Aurora on Monday, May 29th at 10.15 a.m. and continue to the Oakwood Cemetery. All veterans are encouraged to attend. In Elma, the town of Elma will have a parade on May 29th From Elma Public Library, located at 1860 Bowen Road, to the Elma Town Hall, the parade will start at 9 a.m. and the lineup begins at 8.30 a.m. In Holland, veterans and guests will be gathered on May 29th at 10 a.m. by the Holland Junior Senior Senior High School, located at 105 Canada Street. Participants will walk to the Town Park and Community Center on Legion Drive, Following the parade and ceremony, there will be a chicken barbecue at the center. In Marilla, the Memorial Day Parade begins at 1 p.m. on Sunday, May 28th at 2 Rod at Tomarasu Roads, making stops at both cemeteries in town. A final ceremony will be at the Pavilion on Bullis Road. Hot dogs and drinks will be available for parade participants. In Wales, the parade in Wales will have a ceremony at noon on Monday, May 29th at the Veterans Memorial next to the Wales Town Hall on Route 20A. There will be coffee and cookies following the ceremony. In West Falls, the West Falls Memorial Day Parade, sponsored by the West Falls Fire Company, will take place Monday, May 29th. The lineup for the parade will begin at 9 a.m. and it will start at 10 a.m. sharp. It will begin at Beam Road and end with a brief ceremony at Veterans Park. There will be hot dogs and light refreshments available at the West Falls Fire Hall immediately after the ceremony. Uh, Senator Patrick Galivan, he recognized some uh, he was recognized by some local Republicans with a 2023 Winner's Circle Award at the Aurora Republican Committee's Kentucky Derby Party on May 6th. In his award introduction. Aurora Supervisor Jim Bach recognized Gallivan as a perfect example of how a representative should act working for everyone and not just the party they belong to, and they thanked him for his continued support of our community. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the East Aurora Advertiser on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Rotary remodel begins. The members of the East Aurora Rotary Club have begun to remodel the village of East Aurora's welcome sign at the corner of Seneca Street and Willardshire Road. The club will update the sign to match the other three welcome signs the village had installed in previous years. Some people that will be helping are Rotarians Daniel Missert, Doug Hardy, Dale Reeves, and Dave Schaeferle. The Alden Farmer's Market opens with a strong weekend. The Alden Farmer's Market opened on May 13th to a crowd of shoppers from Alden and beyond. A wide range of products greeted the customers. Products ranged from Buffalo Bill's hats and onesies to blueberry wine, hand-painted birdhouses, jewelry, handcrafted soaps, baked goodies, maple syrup, black garlic, and tie dye t-shirts. Several vendors showcased healthy tomato and pepper plant starts, herbs, and flowering plants. While it's still early for most produce, rhubarb was available. More vendors will join as produce comes in. The entertainment season begins June 3rd with the Alden High School and Alden Middle School jazz ensembles. Meet the Candidates Day will be June 10th, along with the band Porcelain Train to play music. Any person in any party running for any position on the ballot in Alden and or neighboring towns is invited to participate on June 10th. Sponsors are invited to support entertainers and keep this tradition alive. Sponsors receive a free space at the market on their Performer's Day, plus publicity. You should contact the Alden Chamber of Commerce for more information. The market is located at the Pink Cal slash Tractor Supply slash Save-A-Lot Plaza parking lot at 13119 Broadway. It will be open every Saturday morning until September 30th from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pets, bicycles, rollerblades, and skateboards should not enter the main area for health and safety reasons. Under a spotlight, Greg Janka dealing a helping hand by Fadi Gajar, a contributor. Automotive sales associates have been stereotypes of swindlers, money grabbers, and dishonest people. Many believe in playing the hardball game when walking into an automotive dealership because they believe the sales associate will take advantage of them. Taking a deeper look into this field and having first-hand experience has changed my whole view of how a sales associate operates. Sure, that old used car outlet you went to for your first car had the dealer cranking down the odometer with the drill gun. The new age has shown that automotive businesses such as West Herb Buick GMC of East Aurora here on Main Street care more for its customers than flipping a quick buck. Greg Jenka, a Hamburg resident, is a sales consultant at the West Her General Motors branch in East Aurora. He started in 2012, working part-time as a sales assistant and continuing his education at the University of Buffalo. He was majoring in business and marketing, but Greg saw himself in banking, helping to guide people in making important financial decisions. Instead, he became fond of working in the automotive automotive industry and was elevated to a consultant position after graduating college. Greg saw this as an opportunity to jumpstart his career and satisfy his desire to lend a helping hand to others. Having a wide variety of every model car at West he can assure that each customer is properly taken care of and given the best deal. By introducing a customer to new brands, he educates them about preferred options with better quality and pricing. Outside of work, one of Greg's great passions is the outdoor lifestyle. He does his fair share of hunting in the wilderness and loves to take his boat on Lake Erie during the summer season. Having attended Hamburg Central High School, Greg also likes to give back and help with the local sports teams that he was once a part of. He enjoys being connected with the Hamburg School District baseball and lacrosse programs. Greg certainly enjoys the community he works in as well. His favorite spot in town is Barb bill tavern on main street where he orders cajun honey barter barbecue wings the next chapter in his life is marrying his fiancee felicia they met each other at west her. she was working in the human resources department there's great irony in meeting the love of your life through work i never would have found her if i stayed on my original route greg said they have been together for about three years and will tie the knot in september of 2024 Out of all of his hobbies, he likes to spend most of his time either going to wineries or breweries with his fiancée. They both love their quality time together, engaging in either boating, adventuring, or traveling. Greg's morals include being helpful to those in need, and he will always take on new obstacles that come his way. As he works, his goal is to ensure that those he is caring for achieve their needs. He believes placing people before yourself and guiding them through decisions leads to, his my favorite part of this job, seeing their overjoyed reaction. Under the obituaries, Nolan M. Palmitear was a beloved son and brother, March 8th through 1988 through January 10th, 2023. Nolan Michael Palmateer of Sharon, Massachusetts, formerly of Norwood, Massachusetts, and Tunk Hanock, Pennsylvania, died unexpectedly of heart failure on January 10, 2023, and he was 34. Born March 8, 1988, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, he was baptized by at the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary and Tunkhannock. Mr. Palmateer was best known for his sense of humor, piles of detailed drawings, love of singing, especially in churches, meticulously choreographed movements while watching his favorite movie musical, Annie, and his compassion and positive influence in so many people. He enjoyed hiking, swimming, kayaking, museums, flags, family vacations to historic sites, and national parks tricks to grandmas, challenger sports, Cub Scouts, outings, and bowling with peers at the South Norfolk County ARC. Swim lessons at the street, Stryer, JCC, Old Colony Y, and horseback riding lessons he enjoyed at the Mass Hospital School. Thanks to many dedicated professionals and volunteers, he thrived amid medical and cognitive challenge throughout his life with his first brain surgery at Penn State Hershey Medical Center as an infant and in later care at Children's Hospital Boston. He benefited from inclusive special education at the Norwood Public Schools where he helped pioneer inclusion in the preschool and after-school programs. Plus, neurorehabilitation and training at the May Centers in Randolph and Brockton before completing high school at Cardinal Cushing, Hanover. In 2010, where he enjoyed waiting tables at the Iron Kettle Restaurant and working in Central Supply, Container Redemption, and the Thrift Shop. Mr. Palmateer flourished at the Charles River Centers Opportunities and Visions Program in Needham and Natick, where he worked small jobs and volunteered at thrift stores and Meals on Wheels. By age 31, he moved into an Amago Group home in Sharon and became a cherished part of their program. He learned about God and community as a joyful parishioner of St. Timothy's Church at gatherings of Faith and Light and Young Life, Carp and and communing with nature while helping Norwood Trails with cleanups and trailblazing. He will continue to help others through the donation of his brain and other tissues for scientific research. He was the son of Brian Patrick and Jean Stevens Palmateur Norwood, the brother of Brianna Palmateer of Allentown, Pennsylvania, grandson of Janet Elizabeth Henry Palmateur of Holland, and the late Sanford D.D. Palmateur Richard E. Stevens, and Judith L. Simpson, Gilvie, and Godson of Martin and Shirley Joyce of Cincinnati, Ohio. Scores of uncles, aunts, and cousins survive him. A wake and funeral were held in Norwood, January. A memorial celebration will be held at St. Joseph's Church, 46 North Main Street in Holland on Saturday, May 20th with a Mass at 11 a.m., followed by a repast in the parish, parish hall to share memories and celebrate his life. A movie montage of his life will be shown. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made in Mr. Palmateer's memory to any organization mentioned above or to ARC of Massachusetts or the American Brain Foundation. Also under obituaries, Edith Rycroft was Planned Parenthood Executive. She the dates were october twenty second, nineteen twenty four through may 13, twenty three. Edith Rycroft, a resident of East Aurora from nineteen fifty eight to nineteen seventy eight, died at Father Baker Manor in Orchard Park on Saturday, may thirteenth. She was ninety seven. Born Edith Ticknor on October 22, 1924, in Westfield, she was the daughter of the late Everett and Vivian Ticknor. She is also predeceased by her husband, Bruce Rycroft, whom she wed in 1946. Mrs. Rycroft was admired for many by her independence, optimism, warmth, and intelligence. She inspired many, including her children, to pursue their own dreams. She enjoyed music, reading, sketching, and calligraphy. Mrs. Rycroft trained at Deaconess Hospital in Buffalo, pioneering nurse practitioner training in the 1970s. A longtime nurse practitioner already, after the death of her husband in 1972, Mrs. Rycroft was motivated to return to nursing and pursue a new career. She moved from East Aurora in 1978 and became the clinic director of Planned Parenthood of Palm Beach County in Palm Beach, Florida. She then pursued higher education and elevated her career to an executive position for Planned Parenthood. She remained in Palm Beach until 2017. Mrs. Rycroft is a founding and lifelong member of the Swallows in East Aurora and a founding and longtime member of Wood Spring and Marilla. She is survived by her sons Daniel, his wife Barbara Rycroft, and Thomas Rycroft, daughter Nancy William Helbling, Grandsons Nicholas, married to Jessica, Rycroft and Daniel, married to Kelly Hibbling, and nieces and nephews and great-grandchildren. Memorial donations in her name may be directed to Planned Parenthood of Central and Western New York, Incorporated, by visiting www.plannedparenthood.org or to BFO-FM by visiting www.wbfo.org and clicking on the support menu. Kenneth Howe Funeral Home at 64 Maple Road, East Aurora completed arrangements for the family and offers an online space at www.howefuneralhome.com to offer condolences to family and friends. Memorial services for Mrs. Rycroft will be planned at a later date. Lunch at the Town of Aurora Senior Center, May 22nd through 26th. Seniors take advantage of the lunch program the county offers Monday through Friday at noon at the Town of Aurora Senior Center, 101 King Street at Oakwood Avenue. Meet new friends. All seniors are welcome. The lunch price is three dollars. To make or cancel a reservation, call 652-7934. On Monday will be Polynesian chicken over rice, California blend vegetables, zucchini, and summer squash chocolate cake with frosting. Tuesday will be sloppy joe and a wheat roll, tater tots, mixed vegetables, tropical fruit. Wednesday, entree salad, Greek grilled chicken breast salad with Greek dressing, multi-grain bread, fresh banana, and chocolate milk. Thursday, vegetable quiche with cheese sauce, green beans, Harvard beets, honey brand square, mandarin oranges, And on Friday will be Memorial Day lunch, breaded chicken drumsticks, macaroni salad, au and broccoli, fruit punch, dinner roll, vanilla ice cream with chocolate sauce. There is a court program geared towards veterans to be held on June 19th. An information session regarding court issues has been designed for veterans, and it will take place on June 19th at 6 p.m. at the Elma Senior Center at 3011 Bowen Road in Elma. Several topics will be covered, including finding an attorney for nonviolent offenses and crimes treatment programs, Buffalo Veterans Treatment Court, case management for veterans, and mentors for veterans. Speakers will include Dan Mitchell, who is the mentor coordinator for Buffalo Veterans Treatment Court, Doris Ippolito from the VFW Auxiliary, and Manny Walsh, who is a veteran graduate of the Buffalo Veterans Treatment Court. Reservations are required by June 14th light snacks will be provided. You should call or email Marlene Baumgartner at 716-652-9458 or 127 at aol.com. This program is open to all veterans. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the East Aurora Advertiser on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Under the Nutrition Columnist by Holly R. Layer, cool weather vegetables. The farmer's market is officially open, which means summer is just around the corner. However, despite the warmer temps and sunshine, we all know it isn't quite shorts weather yet. Heck, we could still have a hard frost, but let's let's hope not. While we won't be seeing bright red tomatoes at the market yet, there are lots of spring vegetables from which to choose. Cool weather crops are hardy enough to be started inside in early spring and transplanted outside or even sown outside while the weather is still cool. Many of these veggies can be planted as early as two months before the last frost date. The vegetables are packed with nutrients and are great options to choose when visiting your local farmer's market or produce stand. Greens like lettuce, kale, spinach, Swiss chard. Leafy greens are some of the most nutrient-dense vegetables out there. In fact, kale is often thought to be the most nutrient-dense vegetable as it packs quite the vitamin and mineral punch for very few calories. Kale, along with other dark leafy greens like spinach, is high in vitamin K, which aids in blood coagulation and bone health. Spinach is high in folate, which is important for healthy neural tube formation during early pregnancy. Both spinach and kale are best eaten raw, as cooking can decrease the availability of nutrients. Additionally, many types of greens are high in vitamins A and C, as well as fiber and antioxidants. Broccoli and cabbage. Both broccoli and cabbage, along with kale and Brussels sprouts, belong to the brassica family, which tend to be bitter vegetables. These cruciferous vegetables are believed to have a protective effect against a variety of cancers, including breast, lung, colorectal, and pancreatic cancers. Cruciferous vegetables contain istheocyanates, a compound that decreases oxidative stress and inflammation, both of which combat the formation and growth of cancer cells. Studies also show that broccoli may help lower cholesterol by binding to lipids, which are fats in our blood. Carrots. Everyone knows orange vegetables like carrots are good for our eyes. But why? Orange fruits and vegetables are high in beta-carotin, which our bodies turn into vitamin A, which in turn helps promote vision and eye health. Additionally, carrots, which come in a variety of colors, are also high in biotin, aids in fat and protein metabolism, and potassium, which helps regulate blood pressure. Under beets, right up there with kale, beets are truly a powerhouse of nutrition. In addition to being high in antioxidants, fiber, and folate, Beets are high in manganese, which aids in bone formation and brain health, as well as copper, which helps in energy production and the creation of neurotransmitters, our chemicals messengers between nerve cells and muscles. Beets are another vegetable best consumed raw, as some nutrients are lost with steaming or boiling. Try shredding them to add to smoothies, salads, or even muffins. Under onions, we may not think of onions or leeks, chives, garlic, and shallots as adding much in the way of nutrition, but they do. Vegetables in the allium family provide sulfur-containing compounds, which are shown to have a perfective effect, protective effect on certain cancers. They also contain quercetin, which helps lower blood pressure and improve heart health. Peas. peas are part of the legume family and are high in starch. They are unique that they are also high in protein. A half-cup portion of cooked green peas contains 4 grams of protein, a lot for a vegetable. Consuming sufficient amounts of protein and fiber can help promote satiety and blood sugar control. They are also high in vitamins A and K and can have a protective effect against heart disease, some cancers, and diabetes. In short, be sure to take advantage of the selection of spring vegetables grown right here in our own backyards, or rather, a farmer's backyard. Holly R. Lair is a registered dietitian and a freelance ladder, le- writer. She lives in the village with her husband Andrew, an East Aurora native, and their daughter Mile. The state secures agreement with insulin manufacturers to cap insulin prices for uninsured. New York Attorney General Letitia James recently secured agreements from Eli Lilly and Company and sanofi Avent's U.S. LLC, which is called Sanofi, the nation's largest insulin manufacturers, to cap the price of insulin at $35 per month prescription for uninsured New Yorkers for five years. An investigation by the Office of the Attorney General, or OAJ, or G, found that the list prices set by insulin manufacturers for patients resulted in significant out-of-pocket costs for certain insulin users, causing some to ration their insulin or forego it altogether. Under this agreement, any uninsured New Yorker who uses Lilly or Sanofi insulin products will not be charged more than $35 for a monthly supply of insulin for the next five years. Both companies also committed to offering free insulin for the neediest patients. More than 10% of New Yorkers have diabetes, and it is estimated that 464,000 of them rely on insulin every day. New Yorkers who live in the state's poorest neighborhoods are 70% more likely to have diabetes. In fact, more than 16% of New York adults with diabetes have an annual household income of less than $25,000, while only 6% have an annual household income of more than $50,000. As part of these agreements, Lilly and Sanofi have committed to offering affordable programs that ensure that no patient walks away from a pharmacy empty handed because they could not afford their insulin. Both Lilly and Sanofi have agreed to implement a streamlined process at the pharmacy counter that would allow pharmacists to automatically advise cash paying consumers of their ability to fill their monthly prescriptions for $35 before leaving the pharmacy counter. In addition to the $35 monthly cap for any uninsured New Yorker. Lilly has also agreed to continue working with national relief agencies to identify high-need geographical locations throughout New York and to offer insulin products free of charge through national relief agencies to more eligible nonprofit clinics in those locations. Those clinics can then offer insulin products for free in those areas that are the most in need. Sanofi has also agreed to offer free insulin to the neediest consumers who meet income thresholds tied to the federal poverty line. This investigation was handled by Assistant Attorney General Kate Mattershack of the Consumer Frauds and Protection Bureau under the supervision of Deputy Bureau Chief Laura J. Levine and Bureau Chief Jane M. Azia. Deputy Beauty Bureau Chief Amy McFarland of the Antitrust Bureau and Special Counsel Stephen J. Glassman of the Economic Justice Division also assisted. The Consumer Fraud and Protection Bureau and the Antitrust Bureau are part of the Division of Economic Justice, which is led by Chief Deputy Attorney General Chris D'Angelo and overseen by First Deputy Attorney General Jennifer Levy. In the town of Elma, there continues to be a discussion on the old highway garage. This was written by Sean Canningham under the staff as a staff reporter. At last Wednesday's work session, the Elma Town Board continued to discuss possible solutions for the old highway garage located at 2170 Bowham Road. This time, with Highway Superintendent Howard Deal present, Board Member Tracy Perossi said that he went back. 10 years to look at the market value of the 7.8-acre property, which was then assessed at $820,000. Last year, the property was assessed at a full market value totaling $1.2 million. This assessment does not include 0.5 acres where a cell tower is currently located. That parcel will not be included in the sale of the property. Petrassi recommended against spending money on an appraisal, and board member Joseph Pagalusa said that he agreed. Parassi suggested the board go through a sealed bid process with a minimum of $350,000 to purchase the property. Board member Daryl Nolan asked for Deal's opinion on the sale of the building, who said that there would be nowhere to put the excess fill and dirt that is currently stored behind the old garage at the new Highway Garage. Deal asked if it would be more expensive to repair the old building or to build a new one at the new locations and still have to deal with the issue of storing fill. Board members said power lines, gas lines, and swamp land on Bowen Road by the new garage would prevent the town from using all of the land at the new facility. Potential complaints from neighbors could also be a problem. Petrassi suggested that the town could use the 50 acres of land that they owned on Handy Road as storage for the fill, but Deal said accessing the property would be difficult. The main concern is wet fill, usually pulled from ditches during maintenance projects. We can use it, but it has to dry and then we mix it up, Deal said, adding that he could get by with one salt barn. Regarding the buildings at present, there is equipment stored in a few of the bays, with some heat provided during the winter. Deal said the equipment is not used often in the winter, but that in the event of an emergency, it is good to know he can get it started. Deal asked why the town engineer, James Wizekiewicz, had not weighed in. Wizekiewicz was not present at the meeting. The board discussed bringing the engineer in to discuss the hard numbers around securing the old garage and making it usable. Maybe it can be fixed, Makaluso said. Maybe you put 200000 to $300,000 and we've got a building we can use for another 10 to 20 years. Deal said he will meet with Wikizuich. In other news, Dresser and Malecki, the firm completing the 2022 annual audit, presented to the board... In the general fund, revenue is trending upward from the last five years, largely due to the increase in sales tax received from the county, an increase in interest income, and a refund on workers' compensation. Expenditures increased as well with the purchase of a truck and bond payments. Recommendations from the auditing firm included a timelier reconciliation of bank statements, as well as maintaining segregation of duties between clerks sending and receiving payments in all departments of the town. The firm will continue to provide updates to the supervisor's office as the audit process wraps up. Water Department Superintendent Brian Fidden discussed putting the work for upcoming pump number one located at Transit Road and Seneca Street out to bid. The work required is not a complete overhaul, but Fidden said that he expected the amount to exceed his anticipated costs. He has received rest estimates of close to $20,000 for the project. The board voted to put out the project for bed at the next meeting. Board members, Macaluso and Lee kubsick discussed their ongoing project to potentially move the clerks in the water departments to the town hall. Macaluso said that the pistol permit office located in the town hall used to be two separate offices, each with its own door. Previously, the tax receiver was located in the second space. Cupsick suggested redividing the two offices to create a space for clerks in the water department. I'm glad the Pistol Permit Office is here, but we don't get anything from them, Cupsick said. Their goal is to create a single point of payment for all town services and to have a more handicap accessible location for people to access. Macaluso and Cupsick will continue to investigate this process. The board will meet on June 14th at 6 p.m. for a work session at the Elma Town Hall, located at 1600 Bowen Road. Former Blue Devils, Buffalo State star he tries out with the Patriots by Rick Oler, columnist. East Aurora, class of 2016, former Blue Devil and Buffalo State University Bengals football star, Cole Jenkins received a reward for his perseverance and dedication last week, a phone call from his agent. The New England Patriots were flying Jenkins to their rookie minicamp, where he competed for a job on their special teams unit as the long snapper, snapping the ball to punters or to holders on field goals and extra points, a skill he honed during his years at Buff State. Over the weekend of May 12th and May 13th, Jenkins worked out with New England's drafted and undrafted rookies in hopes of being invited to the Patriots training camp as a long snapper in July. He competed with Patriots longtime snapper Joe Cardona and against a snapper brought in late last season from the United States Football League, or USFL, after Cardona suffered an injury. We last spoke with Jenkins a year ago as he was headed off to Buffalo Bills minicamp. He knew it was a long shot since long snapper Reed Ferguson has established himself and was elected a team captain. Undeterred after he did not make the cut with the home team, Jenkins went to work at Left Coast Taco, his cousin, Chelsea Jenkins, Root's popular eatery. It was a little strange, he said. One day I was playing with the Bills, the next day I was serving them tacos. They come in all the time. But he kept working out five days a week at STA, Sports Performance in Elma. Ben Woods has been great. It can be lonely working out by yourself, but he's helped me a lot. Jenkins has kept in touch with his coach, wisconsin Bay's Kyle Stelner, Stelter, and traveled to Florida in January for his pre-draft cramp there. He'll know in the next few weeks if his dedication has paid off. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the East Aurora Advertiser on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. The Local Impact of the American Rescue Plan Act, that's the title I'll be reading from, The American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, also called the COVID-19 Stimulus Package of American Rescue Plan, is a $1.9 trillion economic stimulus bill passed by Congress and signed into law by President Joe Biden on March 11, 2021, to speed up the country's recovery from the economic and health effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impending recession. First proposed in January 2021, the package builds on the measures of the CARES Act from March 2020 and in the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Local municipalities received nearly $3 million of this money. Its distribution was based on population numbers in 2019. All communities in New York State had the option of not accepting the funding. Elma R. Aurora, East Aurora, Wells and Marilla all accepted funds that were doled out in three installments. The second installment was the town's portion of funding that other municipalities in New York turned away. Counties also received separate funding. Erie County received two installments of $89 million. All of this money is allocated toward a project. A 2021 press release from Senator Chuck Schumer's office stated that some eligible items that governments could use for the money include costs associated with responding to the COVID-19 public health emergency or its negative economic impacts, including but not limited to assistance to households, small businesses, and nonprofits or aid to impacted industries such as tourism, travel, and hospitality. To support workers performing essential work during the COVID-19 public health emergency by providing premium pay to eligible workers or by providing grants to eligible employees that have eligible workers who perform essential work. To cover revenue losses caused by the COVID-19 public health emergency or to make necessary investments in water, sewer, or broadband infrastructure. The county has to use all the funding by 2024 municipalities have until 2026 to use the funding. Under Erie County, they received $178.4 million. They spent $178.4 million was allocated, and now the remaining is zero. Top expenditures were Erie County sewer modernization, $65 million, Erie Net Broadband Initiative, thirty four million dollars in Erie county housing initiative twenty million dollars under aurora they received se- seven <laughs> hundred seventy eight thousand dollars seven seven hundred seventy eight seven hundred sixty six dollars they spent five hundred thirty nine thousand seven hundred forty three dollars the remaining is two hundred thirty nine thousand twenty three dollars under the top expenditures the town spent. renovating the buildings at the Aurora Community Pool and building a new bathroom. Nearly $40,000 was spent on a new boiler at the swimming pool and $30,000 on fencing around pickleball courts and tennis courts at the community pool park. In East Aurora they received $631,792 They spent $480,987. The remaining amount of money is $150,768. Their top expenditures, the village purchased a new street sweeper for $313,595 and nearly $156,722 has been spent on a new basketball court, tennis courts, and pickleball courts at Hamlin Park And the village has also invested $10,670 into the bath remodel at the park. Elma received $1,207,689. They spent $210,000 and the remaining $997,689 is left. Their top expenditures, each of the four fire departments in Elma, Jamison Road Fire Company, Springbrook Fire District, Elma Fire Company, and Blossom Fire Company received $50,000. The Elma Historical Society received $10,000. Marilla, they received $552,104. They spent $522,694, and the remaining was $29,409. Top expenditures were new radios for the fire department at $58,000, a new heating system for the highway garage at $53,600, and an LED sign for the Marilla Fire Company at $37,650. In Wales, they received $309,127. They spent $208,945. And there is a remaining of $100,181. Top expenditures for Wales include purchasing new garbage and recycling totes from Cascade Engineering for each residence at $117,686 and a life pack defibrillator for Wales Center Fire Company for $32,000 the fire company received an additional $21,000 to close the gap from not holding fundraisers in 2022 and 2021 during the pandemic. The county has to use all of the funding by 2024, and municipalities have until 2026 to use their funding. Under the article Reader's Opinion, Do You Care? Dear Editor, Do you have stock holdings? If the government defaults, you will lose a lot of money. You won't receive your Social Security or government pension check. Some 21 million people on Medicaid will be impacted. That would include your elderly parent that relies on Medicaid to stay at a nursing home. Veterans will lose medical benefits. Millions of jobs will be lost. This assumes the default is short-term. If it drags out, it will be much worse. Nick Langworthy doesn't care. He's trying to convince you that the Republicans are just trying to get debt under control. If they get their way, the number of people who will lose Medicaid and veteran benefits may not be a big but, but will have dire consequences nonetheless. Their proposed cuts to spending will cost us 2.6 million jobs, over $100,000 teachers, over 100,000 teachers specifically excuse me, and push the country into a recession. If you think the MAGA Republicans have your best interests at heart, you are dreadfully deluded. Their plan is to blame Democrats for their lack of realistic plan and unwillingness to tax the wealthy and large corporations. If the big tax breaks Republicans gave away under Trump were reversed, most of the debt would be paid. Just to remind you, over a third of the total debt was incurred under Trump and a large portion of the rest under George W. Bush. So by all means, continue to support Republican corporate giveaways. I have been waiting for it to trickle down since Reagan. This was written by um, a reader's opinion, Raymond Castro in Glenwood. Under the Erie County Sheriff's report, an accident led to charges. Erie County Sheriff's deputies responded to an accident involving one vehicle on May 6. That occurred while the vehicle was traveling on West Blood Road in Elma. The driver was charged with DWI and the vis- vehicle was towed from the scene. In other area calls handled by the Erie County Sheriff's deputies out of the Elma substation. On May 5th, a vehicle was stolen from a driveway on Williston Road in Marilla. It was later recovered. On May 6th, an accident involving a vehicle and a bicycle occurred at the intersection of Girdle Road and Clinton Street in Elma. The injured bicyclist was taken to a local hospital by a private vehicle. On May 7th, a commercial storage container on Big Tree Road in Wales that was used to store propane tanks appeared to be damaged. Under May 8th, 9th, and 10th, no incidents were reported on these dates. On May 11th, a bicyclist was struck while traveling on Jamison Road in Elma, sustaining minor injuries. The Sheriff's Report is intended to provide information about local enforcement and activity using data provided by the Erie County Sheriff's Office. The Sheriff's Office does not usually include the names of subjects in this report. Under the article, Mental Health Awareness Month in May, Mental Health Awareness Month, or MHAM, has been observed in the United States since 1949. Every May, the nation recognizes that mental health plays an important role in our overall health. With that in mind, the Erie County Department of Health is sharing mental health resources with a special focus on children and adolescents. May is also Adolescent Health Month. Children and teens are especially vulnerable to mental health challenges. According to recent CDC data, about 3 in 5 U.S. teen girls felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021. This is almost 60% higher than in 2011 and the highest level reported over the past decade. 1 in 3 U.S. teen girls also seriously considered attempting suicide, which is almost 60% higher than a decade ago. Live Well Erie defines and addresses the health needs of Erie County's children through three goals. Children will grow up in a stable, safe, and supportive community. Children will achieve comprehensive health. And children will realize their greatest potential. The Health Department recognizes the importance of building a trauma-informed community. Many people experience a traumatic event at one point in their life. Individual response to trauma can vary widely and the implications can be lasting, especially if treatment is not sought. Erie County residents can be resilient in the face of trauma by being trauma informed within their social network and by being connected to resources and training opportunities. For any mental health challenges that are concerning, it is important to seek professional help. Visit FindTreatment.gov to find a provider treating substance use disorders, mental illness, and conditions like grief, depression, trauma, and anxiety. The Erie County Department of Mental Health maintains a listing of local mental health services, substance use disorder services, and a host of other resources. Regardless of age, self-care can play an important role in maintaining mental health. The National Institute of Mental Health provides some important tips. Get regular exercises. Eat healthy, regular meals and stay hydrated. Make sleep a priority. Try a relaxing activity. Set goals and priorities, practice gratitude, focus on positivity, and stay connected. The uh, Health Department's Office of Health Equity, OHE, is offering mental health first aid training to the public to provide adults with practical tools to provide support for someone experiencing a mental health challenge. O h e also provides training for groups of adults who primarily work with adults who, or who are primarily working with children and adolescents to schedule adult or youth mental health first aid training for organization. complete the arrest for request form for the mental health first aid training for organizations. Let's talk about grief, talk about mental health, and let's talk about mental health talk about grief, and let's talk about mental health are also newsletters that are published in the Health Equity Beat series. Each focuses on practical recommendations and local resources for individuals. 988 is the national three-digit dialing code that will route callers to the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline for immediate help. Calls in Erie County go to Crisis Services. When anyone calls or texts 988 or chat 988 lifelineorg they are connected to trained counselors who listen, provide, support, and connect them to any necessary resources. 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline provides 24-hour free and confidential help for anyone who needs it. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features From the Thursday, May 18th issue of the East Aurora Advertiser, your reader has been Sue, and thank you for listening.